Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate, Kiwi, and BP. Hello. Hello. Hi. Today, we're going to be doing a deep dive episode. Deep dive. Where we review a game that we have played more than once, and we like, I think. Today, we're going to be playing Castles of Mad King Ludwig, designed by Ted Alsbach of Suburbia, One Night Ultimate Werewolf, Werewords, and developed by Dale Yu of Dominion Suburbia, Maglev Metro. The artists were Keith Curtis. <laughs> I believe she's Polish. Agnieszka Dabrowika. Which I say as though, oh, he'll get it if I just say <laughs> it's Polish. <laughs> and Olin Tim. Uh, it was published in 2014 by uh, Bezier Games. Uh, the description in the tile-laying game Castles of Mad King Ludwig, players are tasked with building an amazing, extravagant castle for King Ludwig II of Bavaria, one room at a time. You see the King Love, Ca- King Love Castle <laughs> <laughs> having built <laughs> Neuschwanstein, the castle that inspired the Disney theme parks, or the Disney theme park castle. And others, uh, but now he's commissioning you to build the biggest, best castle ever. Subject, of course, to his ever-changing whims. Each player acts as a building contractor who is adding rooms to the castle he is building while selling his services to the other players. The mechanics are auction Dutch, endgame bonuses, hidden victory points, I cut, you choose, increase the value of unchosen resources, pattern building, set collection, tile placement, progressive turn order. Apparently the Dutch like to hold auctions in a simultaneous single bid system. Yeah. I don't know if it's like, that's like just a traditional Dutch auction or that's like, I don't know why it's called a Dutch auction. Well, I know what our history lesson is going to be then. All right. And the box art uh, looks like a castle. Yeah. So it's a um, picture of a castle. Almost realistic. a specific castle. Yeah. Yeah. Realistic looking. And the title... um, has a big castle around the sea and the, and the font is kind of the typical font style you see when anything is kind of trying to um, elicit that like time mm-hmm. period. It's a cool cover, yeah. I think. I mean, it, it, it kind of nails the topic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think of all the castles that he had commissioned, this is probably the most famous one of all of them. Right. Does the castle have a scaffolding along the side? Um, yeah, because they're building it. We're building yeah, it. We're building sense. it. That's yeah. probably why. But cool. I, I mean, I'm sure it has scaffolding as they, it's like any kind of, um, you know, cool right. place you go to and you hope to see like that pristine view, but there's always some construction being done on it somewhere. <laughs> like so. when I went to go see the famous clock in the, in, in the Czech Republic or not, uh, yeah, Prague. In Prague and it had a giant scaffolding over it, but they had, they had nicely put up a giant canvas sheet over the front. Um, but they printed the clock onto the canvas sheet, so you can still see the cl- you can still see the clock with heavy air quotes. All right, uh, based on all this, I mean, I guess do we do uh, would would we pull it off a shelf? I mean, I guess the answer would be yes. But um, why did we decide to choose it as a deep dive? When was the first time? Did we play this at Eric's? Yeah, for remember. the first time. Yeah, yeah I feel like that's where we did one of the first games Years I got. Ago. And I think we played it here. So I guess the question is, is why did you, because you hadn't played it before we played it at your house. Oh, I mean, this was like way back of like, hey, I heard there's a cool game about castles. I'll buy that one, I guess, because I don't know anything about board games. <laughs> um, just I don't know. I'm out. sure it had like good ratings, good reviews. It was well known. I mean, it came out in 2014. This would have been like 
probably soon after that. Yeah, a couple of years after that, I think seventeen or so. So at least had yeah. it been it had been out and and known. And then yeah, we just played it. And then uh, Kate played it, and it's one of her favorite games. So oh, for sure, we play yeah. it a lot. It's very one of our most played games. Yeah. What is uh, it that you like about it? I mean, I think the one thing about it, and then I reference when talking about other games as well is that you build a cool castle you build a cool castle so you know you don't care about winning or losing the game like you're just building a fun castle yeah yeah i think every time we bring up like the you know when we talk about games you're like well we have something to look at at the end so that's kind of nice yeah like this is the game that really like set that tone i think for us where it's like we really i think we as as a group in general really like to have something cool to look at at the end that we and that built. generally helps yeah. our playing experience improve. I think, I guess another good question, cause you, we don't want to look at the box art, box art much. Would this jump out at you? You think just the box art yeah. or the whole thing, just the box art. I think it would. I, I think with this box art, like the, the cover, you know, the, the title isn't taking up most of the box. Like they really are trying to play into the Alps in the background, the you know awesome forest. And then there's just kind of this, giant castle that's just sprouting out in the middle like they're really calling attention to the castle itself and i think you know just based on that i would probably pick it up and at least look at the back if i didn't know anything about it and then i think that the title like you know when you hear the mad king you start like that's going to make you curious anyway I mean, I like it because I like castles. I'm trying to think of the things they could have done with like a crazy king cartoony style, maybe. But I, I mean, I like this. It just looks more a little realistic. Yeah, I feel like a cartoony style would be like if, if the castle wasn't real, like if the Mad right. King Ludwig was like a character in a story and mm-hmm. the castle was fake. Yeah, I think you could go with that. But the fact that the castle isn't fake, that it's a real castle, that not only is it a real castle, but it's a pretty famous castle. It lends itself to being a more realistic like needing a more realistic art style, I feel like. All right, uh, BP, what is the history of uh, Dutch Dutch auctioneers? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that would have been really cool. Uh, I wonder if it's somehow tied to the uh, tulip bubble of the 17th century. Here we are, back to tulips. Always back to tulips, especially right now. Um, So Mad King Ludwig maybe wasn't so mad. Uh, so Ludwig II, um, obviously of Bavaria, uh, he was the oldest son of Maximilian of Bavaria and Marie of Prussia. And I feel like he just really had the misfortune of being born in the 19th century. And the 19th century is just so full of changing ideologies. And like, if he had been born... Uh, kind of, you know, uh, Neuschwanstein is right a revival of Gothic style. If he had been born in the Gothic period itself, like nobody would have probably thought there was anything wrong with him. Um, but because he was in the 19th century, an introvert who was really interested in supporting the arts, right? Commissioning um, castles like Neuschwanstein. He also commissioned um, two other pretty notable castles, the Linderhof Palace and then Herrenschmiesmein. Herrenschmiesmein. No. Uh, Herrenschmiesmein. Her say. Okay. Well, 
Those were some of the three big ones that he did. And it should be noted, uh, Kiwi likes to always remind me, it is not a castle, Neuschwanstein. It's a palace. Uh-huh. Because it is not apparently in a strategic location built for defenses as a castle would have been built. Again, the guy was just born in the wrong century. What I find interesting, though, about Ludwig II's history, and then I'll just kind of leave it at this, is besides being built in the wrong century, he probably also was homosexual. Which also put a ding against right him being an introvert, being a patron of the arts as opposed to being right. I mean, this is the era of Otto von Bismarck and Realpolitik, right? Where you're supposed to dress in your military garb, be out in the military, part of the military, right? I mean, I think as he took over, um, when did he take over his rule? Um he was really young, 18. Well, the last time he inspected a military parade was 1875, which was per, pretty early on in his rule. Um, he ruled from 1864 to 1886. And his death, um, kind of new scholarship, looking at some of his old diaries that are still available. Many of them were lost, unfortunately, during World War II. But uh, many of his diaries uh, and some of the reevaluation kind of denotes that he may have been shuffled off of the monarchical stage and actually murdered as opposed to committing suicide. Um, and called mad because he would not listen to people who wanted him to curb his spending um, and his going into debt for his eccentric spendings. Um, really, he just sounds like, right, like some super rich dude who was always given free reign to do whatever he wanted and didn't really ever have to work his decent day of his life. And he wasn't actually called the Mad King inside Germany. No, he was called the Swan King. Yeah, the Swan King. Yep. Because all the castles, like Neuschwanstein would be the new Swan Castle. Mm -hmm. Uh, The castle that he was born in was like, uh, was a Hoschweingau, which would have been Mm -hmm. like the Swan. Yeah, which is right, yeah. He had a a big thing for for swans. Mm -hmm. Um, Neuschwanstein actually... uh, uh, inspired a couple in Kentucky to build a castle when uh, they returned. Not fair sigh. Uh, well, so outside of of a city in Kentucky called Versailles, which is expelled, <laughs> which is spelled exactly like Versailles, but in Kentucky they pronounce it Versailles. Uh, you can see what was originally called the Martin Castle, uh, and then it was the, the couple got divorced and then they didn't finish it. And then they sold, he tried to sell it, but he died before he did. And there was a guy in Florida who bought it and had it finished. And then it burnt and then he <laughs> finished it again. And then he sold it. And now it, and so it was called the Martin Castle, then the post or Castle Post. And now it's uh, also called the uh, Versailles Castle or the Kentucky Castle. And it's now like a giant uh, bed and breakfast and you can go and, and have giant events. And it's and built like Neuschwanstein? It's not built like Neuschwanstein, but it w- they were inspired by castles, specifically mm-hmm. uh, Neuschwanstein. It looks more like a traditional castle because it's got walls and... Moat. Yeah, a moat. Um, but when Post owned it, you couldn't like go to it at all. You can only drive by it. Mm-hmm. He didn't open it to the public. 
but now the people who own it now, it's open like all the time to the public and they hold big events and you can do like a B and B there and stuff like that. So hmm. yep. interesting. Uh, no, inside Bavaria, he was known as Unserkini, the cherished king. He's very popular with the Bavarians themselves. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so we'll just do a quick reminder of how to play then. Okay. All right. Uh, so we are each a contractor tasked with selling rooms so that the others may build a castle to the liking of King Ludwig. Players earn victory points by adding rooms to their castle and meeting the desires of the king. The player with the most points at the end of the game is the winner. The first player is randomly chosen. Um, the most logical would obviously be the last to visit one of Ludwig's castles, so Neuschwanstein, Linderhof, or Haremschimse. Uh, but it could be the last to build a castle, or the last to build a room, the last to do any sort of construction. Um, then, then play will go, uh, the first player takes the role of the master builder for the round, and that role is rotated clockwise amongst the players each round. So who was the last to visit a castle? I, I visited the ruins of a castle in uh, Tallinn. Does Petra count? <laughs> I don't know if that was a castle. Petra's cool though. Or it was mm -hmm. town. Yeah. I guess we we went to castles last September. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in Estonia at uh, the end of September into October. I think you win then. All right. All right. So I'll be the master builder first. So at the beginning of the round, the master builder will select room cards equal to the number of available spaces below the scoreboard. Uh, there will always be three plus the player count for purchase. So in our case, we'll be we'll have seven and we'll use all seven locations uh, on the uh, cost board. And the master builder will then arrange those tiles along with any tokens present on them to show their costs for the round. Um, have you guys played with any of the expansions? Yes. All right, so we're, uh, we haven't played with any of the expansions. So we're gonna we're gonna add them in. So if there's a tile oh. that has a uh, almost all of them, all but the tire uh, towers. Okay, I think we've done that. Uh, so if a tile has a swan on it, we'll take a swan token and randomly choose it and put it face up on the tile. So starting with the player to the master builder's left, they will make one of the following choices. You can purchase a room and all its associated tiles for the price listed above it. The money goes to the master builder and a tile that cannot be legally placed cannot be purchased. You can purchase a hallway uh, by paying 3000 to the master builder. You can purchase stairs by paying 3000 to the master builder. Uh, we'll also play with the moat. So for 5000 you can buy a moat section. You give it to the master builder, uh, and then they'll take a room card from the top of the deck and discard it. Uh, moat score three points on their own, then one additional point for, every, for each room in the castle. And then they also provide an additional bonus of one victory point for each future room that you build. Uh, the only rooms that can be built on the outside of a moat are outdoor rooms, and you still have to have an entrance to get into your castle. If you can fill in all three sides, then you get uh, extra two points at the end of the game. And then finally, you can pass and get 5,000 and nothing goes to the builder. So. Uh, a player can turn in any swan for a thousand, two for three thousand, three for six thousand, four for ten thousand, or five for fifteen thousand, and you can't turn in more than five. Players will then add any purchased rooms, stairways, hallways to their castle uh, after you purchase it, and at least one entrance from a new room must connect to an entrance of an old room. The castle must always have at least one entrance that is external. Tiles may not overlap be adjacent to the fenced edge of an outdoor token or connect between an upstairs and a downstairs tile. The score 
Uh, then score appropriate points based on connections or adjacency. If all entrances to a room are connected, you gain the connected room bonus for that type. Uh, and then the last expansion that we'll play with is Secret Passages. So each player is going to start the game with a short passage, passage a straight passage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start the game with a short passage, a straight passage, and a corner passage. Uh, a passage can be placed at any point during a player's turn to the current tile they are placing. A passage must still connect on each end to an entrance. It cannot connect to rooms that are already connected by another entrance and cannot connect to other secret passages. They provide double victory points for their connection. They also negate the penalty for an activity room that is connected, but not adjacent to a connected room, whereas normally it would. So all tiles in the display not purchased have a thousand uh, money placed on them. The master builder is shifted left and a new round is played. This continues until the room deck is empty. If this occurs while the master builder is drawing tile cards for the round, shuffle the discard and draw the appropriate number of cards, and that's the final round. And then finally, players will gain two victory points for each room in their castle that came from a depleted tile stack. Each unique, ugh, I just can't talk today. Each unique, unique New York. Each unique set of swan tokens, there are five colors, provides victory points. Any end of game scoring royal decrees are factored in. Players gain points based on the king's favor tokens. Players gain points from bonus cards. And finally, every 10,000, every 10,000 is worth a victory point rounded down. The player with the most points is the winner. In case of a tie, the tied player who, uh, in case of a tie, the player with the most square feet in their castle wins. Then, if it's still tied, it's the player with the most money. Then, if it's still tied, it goes to the player who can grab the master builder token the fastest. Wow, cool. And the rule book does point out that you should be safe while doing that. Okay. No harm. Yeah. Not like uh, Taco Cat Gochi's Pizza, <laughs> which is just an injury waiting to happen. Um, and that is all the rules. All right. Well, let's build. We just finished a game of the Castles of Bad King Ludwig. To recap, BP had 69 utility points. Wait, Kiwi had Kiwi had lower? Um, yep, I was sorry. lowest. Uh, Kiwi had 60 <laughs> whole points. Uh, BP had 69 utility slash bonus points. Kate had 88 um, downstairs points or staircase points. And I had 97 throne room points. Um, my winning strategy was a big throne. Well, a lot of living things to fill that. Um, what do you call that thing? The king's bonuses, and then a big uh, throne room with a whole bunch of points for connected sleeping rooms. So that gave me a lot of points. And no downstairs. No, I really wanted a downstairs for once, but um, one time I tried to get stairs, and Kate literally had all of them, <laughs> like six of them. Yeah, I think I just. I seem to always get that bonus card that is yeah, points for stairs. So then I just go for stairs. Yeah. Um, you just like stairs. I like stairs. Yeah. Um, any other strategy? No, I just, well, <laughs> um, yeah, nothing other than what you would do for the gameplay. Just yeah. trying to put the grooms connect next to each other. Anything like outside of 
actually achieving that and trying to just build a fun castle that I would want didn't work out because, yeah, I just failed the Dutch auction. Yeah. <laughs> you guys? I tried to go for my bonus cards, and then there were a lot of cool, like, downstairs ones. So I went for the, the you downstairs You monopolized ones. the downstairs ones. I did ones. monopolize the downstairs. But I also liked my castle because it was very grim on one side. So while you're getting led to the hole through the crypt and through the dungeon, you could faintly hear singing and flutes being played as it wafted I through the core. I like the idea that you bring out the flute players, and if one makes like a missed note, then in the hole they oh, go. straight to the hole. Straight to the <laughs> hole. BP? I put rooms together. Uh, the How do you feel about the theme? Yeah, I like the theme. Uh, there's a present theme. You're, um, you're definitely, yeah, building a castle. I mean, because you're just placing all these different rooms to create your castle and everything named, which is really fun. So you're, yeah, the titles of all the rooms. Um, I guess the way that um, points are scored for rooms being uh, touching kind of connects to it or does it really? It actually kind of does because I think all the rooms are referencing an actual room in one of his castles. Mm -hmm. And so I think what it wants to be next to is based on how it's laid out in (laughs) the real world. Okay. So, which is kind of cool. Yeah, but, it is. Um, and some of them do make sense of like, you know, this wants to be next to a kitchen for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You would put a dining room next to a kitchen room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it goes too with the, like the box description, you know, we're supposed to be building it at the whims of the mad king, even though that we, you know, that's just what we call him outside of Germany. And he wasn't really mad. He was just eccentric, but like the, you know, everybody's castle is different. Everybody was going for different things. You know, we have one where you can do a lot more sleeping, one where you can do like a lot more activities, one where you just you just work all day in all of BP's utility <laughs> <You> closets. <laughs> the servant castle. Yeah. So you can definitely see like, you know, you're you're, you're building these crazy castles. Yeah, and I think yeah, it kind of fits because like any of these tile placements is kind of gonna be a little weird because you're, you know, it's luck of the draw. So the whole sort of well, it's because you have a crazy, um, you're, you know, an eccentric uh, patron that's telling you to do these things. Kind of just makes it makes it work a little bit better than if it was like if I were building an actual castle. Well, it might not be this crazy. I think it might actually turn out pretty realistic. I have a bunch of living rooms and sleeping rooms. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the table presence? It's cool. Um, like you said, everybody's castle looks a little bit different and so i definitely think again it would turn your head because i think for a polyominal game uh you're also building very interesting tableau so i mean i just say like this definitely jumps out if you're walking by it like the colors jump out at you the cool layouts i love the table presence of this game it's like probably my favorite part of the game i think do we want to talk yeah. about the expansion, even though we didn't play it? Yeah, we can. So it's a moat. The moats makes it. I don't know if you, you guys haven't played moats, have you? <laughs> no, but I was just showing BP the pictures from the rule book. I mean, they make it look really cool one, and then going into kind of mechanics and stuff, it really changes the game because now you're worried about you're like stuck. compact. You can't do like the big sprawl, like Kate's layout of this layout. <laughs> like giant sprawling like corridor castle. You have to stay pretty compact if you want to stay inside the four moats and get the points. Which is yeah, one of the, so castle versus palace. Exactly correct. 
Uh, one of the things I was trying to do is even though we weren't playing with moats, I tried to keep my castle as compact mm -hmm. as possible because when I was doing up the rules uh, and the show notes for this, I was like, ooh, I really want to like go hard on moats. Yeah. So I was going to try and go hard on the moats. That's what I did the, um, the time we played with them. I was like, I want to yeah. do a moat castle. And it was pretty fun. It, yeah. I think it changes the game a good bit, but not in a way that you have to do it. Mm -hmm. um, right. I think Kate actually won, even though she didn't complete all three or all four. I did a little moat. Yeah, half moat. Half moat. <laughs> uh, so I think that adds a lot. Uh, we haven't been the towers yet, but those kind of have a cool appearance. So those might also just add to it. So I was, I was, yeah, I was looking at the rules for the towers. So basically, uh, you could when you complete the room, you get the room completion bonus, and then you get the tower bonus, which is you get to go through the the king's favor that you didn't use. Mm -hmm. You select three of, or you look at three of them. You get to pick one and put it on the tower, and then you put the plastic tower on top. And then when we go through the king's favor at the end, you still compare to everybody else's castle, but they don't score any points. So like if you got third place for that king's favor, you just score the two points and nobody else gets points for that king's favor. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think yeah. that I think the some of the expansions add a lot couple of the other ones are more just quality of life things, I guess, like the corridors, but uh, mechanics, Kiwi, we kind of started talking. Yeah. So I think my favorite mechanic of this is kind of that ice or uh, I split you choose with the placing the tiles to see how expensive, because I think all of us got hit with, we placed the tile that we wanted too low and somebody else purchased it. Or there was the time where I put it too high because I didn't want people to yeah. purchase it. But then I was like, I don't want to pay that much money for it. So then I just ended up buying stairs in that yeah. very first round. So I really it's kind of the reason why I love like New York Slice so much as well, mm -hmm. because that's just like a really fun mechanic because you're trying to figure out like how much risk do I take and how much do I like, how do I set this to get what I want, but also like get as much money as I need. So like in that very first round, I purposely put all the downstairs stuff on the lower price spectrum. Right. Cause I was like, well, people are either going to buy halls or stairs, or they're going to pay me a lot of money for the other ones. Mm -hmm. And then we just all bought stairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting playing this with four people, which we don't do often. We play this, um, just two of us a lot, but we've done it a couple times now with mm -hmm. more people. And that really changes it because of that mechanic as well. Yep. Because with just the two of us, we can almost, I guess you still can't predict, but you have a better you sense. You have a better of, chance at it. Um, what's going to happen or what's still going to be left for you or there'll be more options left the, for you. The hard thing with two players mechanic, my two complaints, and they're not really complaints, but with two players, if somebody buys stairs, you're almost going to have to pass to get money. It's not enough money to like do your turn. Um, right. So that can kind of really be like a jerk move if you buy stairs or hallways when you're not the builder. Um, and then my other complaint would be the scoring. Well, I like the scoring for us. The scoring is a little too complicated to introduce it to other people, which I think otherwise mm -hmm. this would be a really good game to like introduce to like people who don't play as many because it has that cool appearance and it's just fun. But sometimes I feel like when I've tried it, the complex scoring can kind of deter people. Yeah, I was already thinking about that because we did do that because I love this game. So I thought it would be so fun for new people. Mm -hmm. And then I think it wasn't so fun for them because they were like, wait, what? What? Yeah. What? <laughs> it's a little yeah. too complex. Yeah. All right. Um, what happens next? 
uh, rules. Uh, I mean, we, we already kind of know the game, but uh, any comment on the, I guess we kind of just yeah. discussed that with the, the scoring. Yeah. That's a little bit complex. Yeah. Yeah. The new rule book does a great job of like explaining all the stuff too. And because in the collector's box, they included all the expansions. They did a good job in the rule book of breaking out. Like they, yeah. they do a special shading for the expansion rules so that you can skip all those shady boxes, shaded boxes if you don't want to play with expansions. Um, so I thought that that was well laid out. And then they have a really good section towards the end that like goes through all the king's favor and goes through all the royal decrees and like gives you explanations for all of them so that uh, it's kind of like a one-stop shop almost. Yep. Uh, player interaction. For a game where you're kind of building your own thing, I would say it has more than most. It's not a ton, but just that pick and choose uh, Dutch auction. <laughs> I'll turn all the words in. That just gives it a little bit more than you. I feel like you would otherwise have in most of these types of games. Yeah, which I, I like. think the other piece that kind of goes into it too is like not only is it okay, I want that tile, but I don't want to give Eric eight thousand mm-hmm, money. Right? Yep. You know, yeah. like, there there is that kind of that interaction too, and not just you know the drafting portion and the eye split you choose. Yep. So I think that kind of makes for an interesting. Like, okay, I'm going to buy the smaller one just because I don't want to give Eric more money. Yep. And actually in two player, you can even do a lot of denial stuff mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, she's only got 5,000. I'm going to put that one at 6,000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's easier to keep track of how much money others have. Like, yeah. Really doing too. Um, yeah. I saw that there was a Royal decree card that actually uh, you put your money hidden. So oh, that yeah. Royal decree allows you to hide your money. Hmm. Would you play it again? And or well, why do you like to keep playing this game? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of the reasons we just uh, already talked about, um, I guess, adding on to the last category there of interaction, it has the, the fun element as well. So even if you don't need to interact, I think especially in person when you can see each other's castles even better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of fun added in there um yeah no i i just um really just fun theme and to end up with a wacky castle at the end you really just don't care about winning at all it's yeah. just it's fun to get a yep build a castle uh bp says the person who won no no, no, no eric, oh, eric won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually i'm not sure um, if she's hasn't won a lot <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm not good at the auction. I think I usually forget how that works and I end up like not having enough money to afford what I put. Like the turn where I I wanted. Like if you if you buy this, you're not gonna have anything for next round. That happens a lot. Um I I just I I like the idea of, you know, building something and especially a castle. Um scratches a lot of itches for um, I, I think more aesthetics for me, um, as well as some of the gameplay. I mean, yes, the the scoring's complex, and uh, luckily I have a wonderful partner who helps me score things. <laughs> but um, I think that's the only reason I could probably keep coming back because otherwise, it's just I can do it. I just don't know that I like want to think about obviously, right. I don't strategize very often. Um, 
So it's easy to be able to even for someone who doesn't want to think, right, or try to game out the game to still have fun. Yep. Yeah. And for me, it's there's there's a, a, a nice puzzle here, like fitting the tiles together and figuring out how to get bonuses and get the score. Um, and you can really, at least for me, I can really balance it with creating a, a cool, uh, like castle. Like I really enjoy my little, like depressing <laughs> left side of my <laughs> castle. Um, and it, it helped that it like puzzle wise, it gave me bonuses, um, and it looks cool, but you can make choices that go either way. And that's what kind of brings me back to wanting to play this game all the time is, uh, you can kind of mix both of those worlds and still have a lot of fun, regardless of which direction you want to play the game. Yep. And that's why I like it is it I can bring it out for, like I said, maybe not brand new people, but almost any group because it has decent player interaction. It has a good puzzle and it has like just a fun let's build stuff. So it's like, I don't know that I've hit too many people who like don't enjoy it unless they would be super competitive and don't understand the like, scoring, but mm-hmm. I don't play with those people anyway. So mm-hmm. All right, that was uh, Castles of Mad King Ludwig. So if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do so via email at firstturntabletop at gmail or Twitter and Instagram at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel says as he's walking through Kiwi's dungeon and then the crypt and then to the hole. Did you just throw the camel in the hole? <laughs> please don't forget to rate. Review and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. Noe can hear screams over the (laughs) flutes. I'm going to go ahead and purchase the... uh, I should have thought this through. uh, Purchase the stairs. Can I interest you in a utility room? I do actually want the utility room. Why are you trying to push it on me? Yeah, that's true. Um, um, But it's much more lovely. Think of all the things you can do in a utility room. What are you going to do in a Hopschmschmschwingau tower? Nothing. I'm going to purchase the hole. God damn it. I just want one downstairs room. (laughs) Sorry.